listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Resi Prep 360 podcast, the Road to Match Day series. I am your host, Sally Traori Ualaka, and this is your premier podcast for all things residency. This series was designed with you, the candidate, in mind to meet your needs and help guide you through the very convoluted residency process. On each episode, we talk about pragmatic ways to help you secure the position you want and bring you some insight from educators as well as thought leaders in the pharmacy residency space. I am so glad that you're joining us today and that you're here. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell all of your friends about the podcast. It is our hope to reach as many prospective candidates as possible. Thank you so much for being here. Help us spread the word and please enjoy today's episode. Good morning. It's Saturday. Um, Good morning, everybody. Thank you um, so much. I'm very excited about today and the conversation we're having today. Um, It's noon. Everybody knows I like to start on time. I like to be respectful of um, my guests' time, but as well as all of you who had this on your calendar and decided to join, I want to be respectful of your time. But today, for the Resi Prep um, Road to Match Day, we are having a really amazing conversation with Dr. Thu, Dr. Thu Gwen, who is a clinical pharmacist. I don't read bios and I don't give bios specifically because I want my guests to kind of be the ones to share who they are and what they do directly with you guys. Um, Thu, welcome to the Resi Prep podcast live on YouTube and Instagram. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much. Um, um, I was very excited at the opportunity for us to talk because of what I think you represent in the profession of pharmacy today. Um, You are a subset of a very special group of pharmacists who decided to go further and decided to go one step further because of your commitment to your goal and that clarity of vision and what you wanted to accomplish in this one day (laughs) and not given this one day, um, AKA match day power to really kind of steal that from you and deter you from what you really and truly believe you wanted to do. So if you are joining us for this conversation today, you're in for a treat. I want to start by you letting us know who you are and what you do and tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Yeah, thanks, Ali. I'm really excited to be here because I know that there's an audience that, you know, really loves you and love what you do. And so it's really awesome for me to um, kind of speak to those to those guys. So um, I... I live in Arizona, um, and I'm a clinical pharmacist in the hospital setting, Um, and I've been doing that for a while, so I feel like I'm going to age myself, (laughs) because somebody, the other day, someone, I was talking to someone, and she's like, you've been practicing for more than seven years, and I'm like, yes, I know, I'm getting up there, Um, yeah, and I think 
being in a hospital setting too, I think it's a really important thing for me to point out because for a very long time going through school, um, I thought I wanted to be in ambulatory care. And I think this will probably be part of our conversation later, but I thought I wanted to be in the clinic set in the clinic setting. And so when I didn't match with any of the programs that were very heavily focused on ambulatory care, I, it really forced me to rethink, you know, what I thought was what I wanted and truly inpatient acute care was what I was more interested in. I just didn't realize it. So it's just a wild experience going through the residency program and it can be such a roller coaster. So it's so important for somebody like you to hold (laughs) people's hands through this because it's so emotionally draining, I think. And I don't think um, that piece of it is really addressed, talked about, or that prospective candidates or even people in residency are prepared that they should really be preparing for more than just the aptitude portion of what this thing is going to take. But mentally and personally, you're going to be taxed and pushed in ways that you just were like, wait, what? (laughs) I wasn't prepared for this part. I don't know what schools are teaching students in terms of preparation for residency. I've been a resident for two years and then I've been a residency uh, preceptor for many, many years. So I've gone through all sorts of different perspective of what residency is and I don't know if schools are preparing students um, well enough. Well enough, definitely. And I think too many of us that are in that space where we are precepting students as well as residents, we see it and we're like, oh, there's a gap here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, it's why like every opportunity I have, I love talking to educators like yourself that are also practitioners to gain some insight about what is the best way for us to really start working on bridging that gap because we can all agree that the the gap is there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There are, you know, and every learners are different, but there are learners who um, just have a, a tougher time adapting to that kind of environment. So absolutely. Okay. So when we think about through the student, <laughs> the no. Let's go back. (laughs) And the super ambitious student pharmacist that's going to come and change the world. What type, can you take us through your residency journey as a student pharmacist? And what type of candidate, like when you were going through it, you thought you kind of made? Yeah, you know, when I look back in pharmacy school, there's a lot of things I would have done a lot differently than uh, what I did. And I am still learning that now. I... I am ambitious, but I'm also very um, shy. And so when it comes to connecting or networking with people, or especially people that I really respect and look up to, and um, you know, people that had like all these fancy titles, I get very nervous reaching out to them, even though I like think they're the best things ever. And so I really didn't do that part um, of networking in residence or I'm sorry, in pharmacy school, which I feel like would have helped me so much in my journey through the profession. Um, And so I did do a lot of uh, extracurricular, like I I was in clubs and things like that, but I never went for those leadership, like, um, you know, like presidents or like 
the main team. I never really went for those roles. I definitely participated in them and I did a lot of really awesome work with those organizations, but I never put myself out there. Um, And I also, you know, focus a lot on schooling and I, I got a good GPA, but, you know, ultimately when it comes to residency and what the application looks like, it's not always just about the grades because ultimately everybody can get that grade. It's, it's very much about, can you put yourself out there? How much do you want this um, to really push yourself out of your, your comfort zone? And I never really had anybody pushing me, which I'm, I don't blame anybody. I'm, I'm just saying that there was not a lot of that mentorship from the beginning. Yeah. 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 No, that's a really excellent point too, because I think you, like you obviously are a doer and you're like, are shy. I, I don't get that part. I know. <laughs> you don't strike me as shy too much, but you're doing great. Um, but I also think that like that mentorship piece you're talking about, if you just had someone that handed you the blueprint or even told you, hey, these are some of the things you should probably spend some time and energy on, no doubt in my mind that you would have done it. And I think that's what I find super fascinating about your story because you are not unique in the sense that you were a doer, you had a goal, you're willing to do the work, but you felt like there was this one piece in hindsight, right? Like in hindsight, Mm -hmm. someone could have just helped in helping guide you with, um, Hey, you should probably put yourself out there a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, Ultimately, it's about who you know and who can write you that really nice letter of recommendation. <laughs> um, yeah, and who can put in a really good word for you. It's a lot of that background noise, too, when we're selecting residents. You know, it's like, oh, so-and-so did a res- or um, so-and-so did her rotation at that site. Let's reach out to one of the pharmacists there and see if they know anything. You know, there's always that. So I would say as a pharmacy student, if I can go back and do that again, I would have made more effort to build more of those connections with the preceptors, the people um, who's already in the field. A hundred percent. I hope uh, all the prospective candidates that are listening to this, they hear it, but also shout out to my P1s and P2s. Those of you that are just starting out, there's a lot <laughs> of gems. there are a lot of gems that are being dropped here right now about how. <laughs> yeah. Learn from your mistakes, people. (laughs) Like, I hope you really, really take notes. Uh, What made you interested in residency? Like, what made you, was there an aha moment or it was more of uh, an ultimate vision and goal of how you wanted to practice where you figured, you know, I think residency is the next move. Mm -hmm. I think that when I was in school, I mean, they they do put an emphasis on residency. And that's something that we were aware of from the beginning, like, you know, our first year of pharmacy school. So um, I think for me, just doing a lot of um, those rotations was really the the moments where it like solidified for me. Before that, it was a lot of, um, you know, professors kind of encouraging us to go that route. And I would do different healthcare, you know, those uh, health clinics or whatever, like blood pressure clinics or whatever they're called. And, and I really enjoyed that aspect of getting to see a number and then counseling patients. So for me, that clinical aspect was really important. And I really wanted to pursue that. I knew that from pretty early on. Very good. And as far as the support you had through your process, how much support 
did you have going through the residency application process? Um, we had, um, at my school, there was a program that, you know, we would be, um, like attached with a mentor and then they can help us go through the process. I would say, you know, it, again, it's all how much you utilize those types of programs, because for me, I definitely reached out to my mentor several times, but I don't know if it was the most, um, supportive for me because I, I hadn't really made a connection with that person. So you didn't feel like, you know, you really wanted to have this, I don't know, like to include this person throughout the whole entire step because there was not that bond, I think. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. But, you know, when you're asking all these questions and when you're relying someone to give you all this information, you do want to trust them and, and feel comfortable with them. And I feel like I didn't have that, which is not nobody's fault. Oh, you know, yeah. It's just that it wasn't there. That connection was not there. Absolutely. So that, that relationship building and knowing who Sue is and giving advice that's yes. to who you are. Um, very, very important. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, I probably should have just found the professor that I had connected with the most yeah. from the beginning and, and just go to them directly and say, could you please help me go through this process? Because I was given just kind of, I think a random person right. and, and that particular professor and I, we never really had that moment of like, let's sit down, let's talk about you. What do you want? And like deep, you know, get deep right. down. So I never felt comfortable really reaching out to her. That's a hundred percent real. Like it's all of a sudden after like two or three years of just emails of someone checking in, how is it, how are things going? And if you were performing yeah. academically, that mentor probably was like oh she's killing it she doesn't need me like she's fine yeah that's true and like it's like hey can you look at my letter of intent can you look at my cv can you help me enter prep it's super super awkward it is because especially again like going back to me being kind of shy and nervous around you know higher ups or whatever um asking them to help me with all these things is a scary thing for me so and, you know, I would say, too, that that program that I had at my school, it was just the last year. So it was my P3 or P4. I think it started P3 summer and then it went to like whatever. But it wasn't, you know, a whole year or a whole uh, school's worth of mentorship. So, yeah, very important. So talking about draft day, a.k.a. match day, a.k.a. the big reveal. Yeah. What what did you feel when you opened yeah. that email and that green line wasn't there? Um <laughs> it's like yeah. How did that feel? Like I I think I think that like how did that feel through tell us please? <laughs> well, to be honest, you know, I applied to eight programs and I only uh interviewed at two. And so I already kind of knew my chances were low. So when I looked at um, my letters or when I looked at that, that letter, I, it was disappointing, but it wasn't like, whoa, I can't believe this happened. Like it wasn't quite shocking, but it was very disappointing. And it was definitely an, an emotional roller coaster. And I would say ultimately when I saw that result, <clears throat> I knew that, I really had to do something different than what I did before. The wow. funny thing too was 
like during that match day or like during match day, I was actually on a rotation in a hospital setting. And it clicked with me that I actually would prefer to be in acute care because prior to that, I was focusing on ambulatory care. I was focusing on being in the, in the clinic, the, you know, outpatient clinic. And so when I got that rejection letter and I was happened to be on an acute care rotation, I said to myself, like, this is what I need to do different. Like what my goals were, my target before was, was wrong or it was just not the right fit for me. And the results show that. And now I have to do something different, which is a different target. Um, which, you know, kind of worked out, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was disappointing, but it wasn't shocking to me. Okay. So you kind of had already mentally prepared yourself for the possibility yeah. because of the low energy turnaround. Yes. And then um, one of the things that I find, like when I connect with students who don't match at phase one is they, they have this feeling that not matching at phase one will have this negative impact on their careers moving forward. Um, mm -hmm. So I just want them to hear from someone who didn't match at phase one, share with them if this had any negative impact, if at all, on your professional career moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I would say, um, well, I, I, you know, I did two years of residency, so I really did have a lot of confidence, but I would say when I was applying for PGY2, I was very nervous about that. Yeah. Um, because in addition to not matching, I also ended up doing a PGY1 that wasn't accredited when I had started. So I was actually their first resident. Absolutely. And so I, that later that year, they did get accreditation and I got grandfathered in. But that was such a, like this chip on my shoulder when I was going into you know, interviews for PGY2 is because I was just so nervous, like, oh my gosh, what if they think badly of me because of X, Y, and Z and all these, all these things. Ultimately, it's about who you are and can you perform well during an interview? Have you practiced? Do you know, do you have the confidence to really show that you can go through the second year? So that was really my only fear of not matching. Um, it, it really did kind of play a role in my mental head, <laughs> mental space when I was applying for PGY2 because I was really, I was really scared and I just felt really nervous about that. Yeah. But to be honest, when um, that whole rejection situation happened with match day, um, it did affect me a little bit mentally when I was going into my career as a, in my first job. You know, there's always this like background noise of like, am I good enough for this? You know, because you're always, you got rejected by all these programs and it, it does play such a, um, such a role in how you kind of perform later on. So I really had to like work through a lot of that. Cause even though I did a PGY one, I finished a PGY two, I ended up in a clinical position that I wanted to be in. There's always this like noise in the back. That's like, are you good enough? Is this, you know, like, are you good as all these other pharmacists who didn't you know, fail initially? <laughs> so um, I don't know what it is. Like one of the things I try to tell them is that your certificate after, or first of all, on the first day of residency, only you know how you got there. If you have co-residents, they have no clue that you were a face <laughs> mm -hmm. a scramble match. How you got there is just 
you know, and your director knows, Mm. but it changes nothing. It's not like there's going to be a modified version of residency for you. (laughs) Then the people who matched at phase one, your certificate will not look any different than people who matched at phase one. Um, So I think that it's real that you will have some imposter syndrome as you move forward. But what's important is that that resilience to move forward and like Mm -hmm. staying committed to that, that reason, like, why did I want to do this in the first place? Staying committed to that, I think is one of the things that's going to be super, super important. Um, So I think that to, for people like you, like not only did you complete a PGY one, but you went ahead and also did a PGY, which is like, which is like th- that percentage shrinks exponentially. Oh, okay. The group that does a PGY one, and you look at the group that does a PGY two from the same graduation year, we are looking at a very specific and small subset of people who successfully secured this position. Nice. Uh, so definitely, my hats off to you for <laughs> yeah. For pushing forward. Well, and- no, I always see PGY one as just a foot in, like a foot in the door. It's not, it's not going to make or break you. It's what you know. I guess what what I want to make sure people take away from this, um, ultimately from my story, is yes, you may fail initially. Mm-hmm. You can still get back up and try again, um, and really learn from what happened and see if you can improve from that. Because when I had, um, when I didn't match initially, I, I really had a lot of people reaching out to me and kind of helping me with like interviews and stuff, trying to go through the the second phase. Um, when I was going through it, we were calling it the scramble. So it was even more disastrous. It was like so disorganized. Um, and I literally was so determined because, you know, when I got the rejection letter, it didn't necessarily break my heart in a way that made me stop. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to plow through now. Like I have nothing to lose at this point. So I called all the programs that, you know, here I am being too scared to ask somebody for a letter of, you know, to look over my letter of recommendation. Now I'm just calling everybody that I can and I'm being, you know, put on hold, being passed off to whoever. And I finally reached a program that was like, oh yeah, we're looking for somebody. And I was like, sounds good. Like you fit all my criteria. Let's do this. And like, I packed my bag and I moved to from Phoenix or from Arizona to Indiana and I was like, I want to do this. Like, this is what I want to do. And so I think the rejections just like, I don't know, like spiked a flame in, in me or something. Um, but it's truly what you choose to do with the situation. You could match and go into a PGO one and not be prepared mentally at all and do horribly, yeah. by the way. Like somebody can match because they did well in their interview, because their application looked great, and then just can't handle the pressure. You could not match, go through the scramble, and truly do phenomenal because you are determined, you are persistent, you have resilience, you know? Like, so it's about you as a person. And I really want that to shine through because, yeah, like that's the more important part than any. <laughs> I'm like, I, I hope I don't break out into a praise dance, but that's <laughs> it. Like, it, it sounds, I mean, like, you're stating it so simply, but it's incredibly <laughs> profound. Like, what you're saying. This, and I keep saying it, this one day, this one day, 
does not get to determine the rest of your career. It just, it does not. Mm -hmm. But I think when you're on the other side of it, even from my personal experience, and I think about the anxiety leading up to that day, in my mind, I truly believe that like this one day was going to determine the rest of my career. Mm -hmm. And it it doesn't because much of the success that I've been able to find and fulfillment that I've been able to have as a pharmacist was literally a result of my grit, determination, and just the vision that I had about the type of pharmacist I wanted to be to my patients and then pursuing opportunities that helped me become that. Yes. Leadership from people that can help guide me through that. But I think for them, it's so hard for that message to kind of get in because it's just like, oh my God, I didn't match. What is this? Yeah. So, and I just love, 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 love the way you stated it. I was just about to ask you, like, what advice did you have for prospective candidates? Oh, just, just any advice. Um, I think I, I pretty much said it all. I mean, I think if you're applying or if you're um, still in the beginning of your pharmacy school career, I would say building connections is the most important thing, just as important as grades or, you know, those tests or whatever, you've got to really put yourself out there, especially because it's gotten so competitive and um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's gotten very saturated. So even just reaching out to people that you admire and really just put yourself out there. And then for the ones that are waiting for match day, I kind of already said it all just, you know, don't let that moment um, break you. Don't let it stop you from what you want to do and really focus on, um, who you want to be, uh, as a pharmacist, because there's so many opportunities out there now. And, you know, I think maybe pharmacy school focus on a lot of just residency, but you need to realize that it's grown so much and it's evolved. So really has. And one other thing I really just wanted to go back to really quickly, candidates today will never know what the scramble really is. (laughs) (laughs) they will never I'm jealous honestly I wish I had a face too because the scribble was did you ever like know anybody who went through that or I heard what the scramble was and my greatest fear about not matching was that (laughs) you do the scramble it wasn't that like I wouldn't even match but it's like this scramble situation sounds like it's I don't want to do this and then I heard that there were rumblings about a phase two. I was like, oh, this is going to be so dope. But I think for them, they don't realize that phase two is a new phenomenon. It's <laughs> it wasn't yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys should be happy that there's a phase two. Because when I went through the scramble, technically they had, I think it was like the first or second year that they ever even implemented a phase two. So nobody was even using a phase two yet. And I don't think it was enforced quite yet at the time. So even though I did kind of go through a phase two and I even applied all these new programs and put my money down, by the way, I still had to scramble because programs were just not using it. I mean, like I'll explain a little bit to those who don't know what the scramble is, but you truly just like, it's like the floodgates are open and everybody's just like, <laughs> it's like you call everybody you can and there's all these programs that have open spots. So you can imagine a lot of um, residency program directors are just, you know, bombarded with all these calls too. It's chaos. I don't know why they did that. 
And then and then I was like, whose idea was it to call it the scramble? Because that title alone freaks <laughs> me out. Like this wasn't thought through. I don't like what it's called. Can we call it yeah. something else? But the and then I they explained what the process is. I was like, literally, we can't call that anything except scramble. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, like shout out to the program who did end up picking me as their first resident ever because that was such a special moment for me. And I think, I don't know, I, I hope it's a special moment for them and they're great. It's this hospital in Indiana and they really just gave me a chance, you know, and they're really the reasons why I'm flourishing. I yeah. hope that they see this. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm really grateful for those, you know, program or for those pharmacists too residency director, um, pharmacy director, pharmacy managers, those people who really give um, students a chance yeah. to, you know, get their career started. So Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's such an interesting process, but you definitely make like lifelong connections to places. It doesn't matter how far you go. You always remember that place. Like, it's like, this was ground zero. <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah, ground zero, for sure. This is where I got started. Um, mm-hmm. I love, like, I just think that if anybody's watching this on playback, if you're um, a student pharmacist or a prospective candidate, I really, really hope that you don't just listen, but that you hear um, what Tu is sharing. Um, the message is really, really simple, like, in that, stay true to why you decided to do this in the first place. And it's a long road. Like you get into residency and it's a different version of resilience that you have to (laughs) to continue to perform well. But if you have that clarity about what you want to become for your patients, it gives you this extra oomph to keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, I appreciate, I know it's early in Arizona on a Saturday morning. And you woke up. (laughs) to join us and share your amazing story with us. I have so much respect for you, for your journey and your track. And thank you so, so, so much for giving us a moment of your time. How can people connect with you? Actually, wait, I want to go back one step. Can you talk to us about what you're doing right now in your practice and what you're passionate about? Because you talk a lot about TOC and, you know, that's my jam too. So I I just really need people to kind of know a little bit about your functional area and like what your passions are um, as a pharmacist too. Yes, I'm I'm currently an inpatient clinical pharmacist. So um, a lot of what I do day to day is following patients and, you know, making those clinical uh, recommendations to the medical team. But I also have a really special place for transition of care and geriatric um, medicine, just because those are my those are, you know, those specialty areas that I really connect with. I actually did my PGY2 in geriatrics. So um, I just feel like I, I do have such a passion for it. I think transition of care, my passion from, for transition of care started when I was a student and I shadowed a transition of care pharmacist, but it really expanded as I practice and I saw all these medication errors that would occur between, you know, patient admission Um, and then discharge and then even post-discharge. So I've been telling a lot of stories on LinkedIn about the types of medication errors that I see to, you know, put more case reports out there to show that, you know, these are the areas that we need to pay attention to. How can we work together to prevent some of these medication errors? I mean, transition of care in itself, when you're trying to, um, 
when you're trying to tackle it is a it's a very systemic problem in our healthcare system because there's so many gaps mm-hmm. that the patient can fall through and so for me, I'm really just trying to showcase what can happen when these things do occur, uh, when these errors happen, and um, how can we, you know, be more aware and then prevent that in our own practice. And then ultimately, hopefully in the future, we could work together to sew some of these gaps to get, you know, back together. But it's a it's a hard thing. And I know a lot of people have, have tried to um, make changes in the space as well. It's just a very difficult thing to to do. But for me, it's just all about awareness and education. A hundred percent. And I think what I admire about what you share and what you talk about is you really focus on like the pharmacist's position in this systematic issue. So the acknowledgement that it's a system issue, but also we are uniquely positioned to make an impact in this specific area mm-hmm. and this way. That's like my favorite part of the stories that you're sharing. Cause I'm like, I just love her unique perspective that she's sharing as a pharmacist, mm-hmm. educating us. Like I'm in that TOC space as well with medication management programs. So mm-hmm. I, I love, I wanted to yeah. um, just share that with you and encourage you that trust me, I see them. And I- <laughs> How good. Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, my perspective is on the inpatient pharmacy perspective. So everybody really works in their own silo. So it's interesting to kind of hear from everybody's perspective too. But um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for that. I appreciate it. A hundred percent. Where can folks find you? Like there's a prospective student right now who's like, yeah, I want to do what she's doing. And <laughs> How can they find you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and hopefully, maybe we could, you can, I mean, if you're, they're following you on LinkedIn, we can probably link me to my page to yours. Because there's so many Thune wins. Honestly, my name is very generic. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so definitely check me out on LinkedIn. Um, I, I've I really reached out to you to tell this story because, you know, to go back a little bit, you had told your students, like, no one's going to know how you got that certificate. Like, don't worry about it. But for me, like for a while, I was very nervous and, you know, shy about telling that story. But as I really honed in on and just like um, really embrace my journey, I love telling this story because it's a story of resilience and it's a story, of, you know, beating failure and moving yeah. on. So I love telling the story. And I think when you own your story, yeah. um, it can really empower you even more. So I love telling stories like this and I um, I hope to do more of that yeah. stuff. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. Like there's power, <laughs> there's so much power in yeah. like owning that story and sharing it because, and I think student pharmacists need to hear it, that like they need to hear stories like yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and be surprised if some student chapters start reaching out and they want you to talk to their chapters about your experience. <laughs> yeah. You make like the best type of guest to speak to student pharmacists. It's firsthand account of here how it unfolded for me. And guess what? I am doing phenomenally well. Phenomenally <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. well. <laughs> Thank you so much, Theo. We really appreciate it. I have a feeling this is not the last time that we connect on yeah. this topic or more. 
Um, with residency and pharmacy student and resident education, I'd love for us to reconnect more and get more of your expertise out there in front of more of my my co-residents, I call them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that you're building up your, you, you know, the, the young pharmacists because they ultimately will, you know, they, we continue to just build on to the profession. And so I would love to be a part of that. Awesome. Thank you so much. We are so grateful. And thank you to all of you that are going to listen to this and hear it and see this. Don't hesitate to reach out to um, through. I will put her LinkedIn um page uh, URL in the comment of this live so that it's easy for everybody to find her. Uh, but once again, thank you so much for being here with you and we look forward to more of these. And thank you everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in on this episode of the Road to Match Day series. We hope you learned something new on this episode um, that will help you along your journey to securing the postgraduate position of your dream. Help us reach more prospective candidates by telling your friends, your students, and your colleagues about the show. Next, leave us a comment and a review. This helps us identify topics that you find relevant that you'd like us to get into more or invite more guests to talk about in more detail, or perhaps you want a guest to return because you had so much fun. Don't forget to leave us a comment and let us know all about that. Thank you for listening to the show today and we hope you'll tune in again.